0: Thank you for coming out on a cold night. What an amazing crowd this is. And not only here, but I know many of you are listening online, and we welcome you also to our service tonight. Uh, I want to give you some direction, before we get started, of where God is leading me in the next couple of nights. Because as you know, our revival doesn't end until Wednesday night. And though that's our ending day on the calendar, my prayer for you is that revival will just keep on going. Past Wednesday night. I love what God is doing in your church church in your lives and through your lives. It's truly exciting. But uh, tomorrow night, if you've, ever, if you've ever been hurt, if you've ever been rejected, maybe you've been abused, or maybe you've been misunderstood, tomorrow night is the night for you. I want to pray healing over your mind and hurt emotions. Tomorrow night is your night. And how many of you believe that Jesus Christ really is going to return to planet earth do you believe that I do I believe it with all my heart it's not simply my hope it is reality and uh, Wednesday night we're going to talk about that we're going to go look at his foot I mean at lightning pace speed breakneck speed through the signs and prophecies that Jesus said must happen before he will return and then we'll be able to see okay how many signs do we have left how many prophecies still have to be met or are we in the season could he really come tomorrow or do, does this, this, and this have to be met before he came? Before he comes. So uh, I, I hope that you will not miss tomorrow night and Wednesday night because I believe that there are messages that God really wants you to hear. But tonight we're on a whole different game plan. Tonight we're playing Minute to Win It. How many of you have seen that on television? <laughs> well, this this great game show actually debuted on March Fourteenth, Two Thousand Ten. Now, if you've seen it you know that it's a game show with just simple household objects, and the contestants have about a minute to complete that, uh, uh, that, that battle or that, uh, that contest, that competition. So the most money ever won on a minute to win it is $500,000, that is a lot of money, half a million dollars for playing a game with simple household objects. Well tonight, we're gonna play minute to win it. And so all of your names were thrown into an imaginary hopper before you arrived tonight and these two names were drawn out. Mark Hale, where is he? Come on up here. Mark Hale, get up here. And also Teresa Gordon, wherever you are, you get up here, Teresa. Teresa and Mark, come all the way up on stage, okay? Come on up on stage. Yeah, right up here, right up on the platform. (laughs) Now, I should have asked Colin about this before the service started. Colin, is it possible to turn up the house lights on this or not? If it's not, I understand. Teresa, let's put you right here behind this stack of cups. And Mark, let's put you behind that one. Now, Go ahead and pick up your stack of cups. Now, Teresa, you'll notice that you have a stack of red cups, except there's a green cup on top. And let's see, let's, let's put you a little bit over here so these sections can see you. And, yeah, that's what, that's about right. Can everybody see now? Everybody. And, Mark, you have green cups with one red cup on top, just the opposite of Teresa. Now, Teresa, are you right-handed or left-handed? Um, right-handed. Okay, so you're going to use your left hand for this. And, Mark, are you left or right-handed? Okay, so you're going to use your left hand. So you guys will put your your right hand on the cup. You're going to use your left hand to bring the top cup out and stack it on the bottom, and you're just going to keep on stacking until you end up with the green cup on top, vice versa. You're going to keep on stacking until you end up with the red cup on top. Does that make sense? Just an easy, easy little game. Now, while it's, it's happening, you may drop a cup, Teresa, Mark, you may drop a cup. So what? what's going to happen then? You don't have to go down and pick it up. I mean, wait a minute. You don't have to start over, is what I'm saying. But you do have to pick it up and put it on the bottom. You don't have to start over, but you do have to pick it up. So you may want to just back up a little bit because we don't want them going onto the floor. That'd take you way too long to bend down and yeah. pick up, wouldn't it? So, yeah. Now, I do also need to let you know that there is a cash prize For the winner. A cash prize. Yeah, just like that. Now let's get them all. We're going to pack them in there tightly. Yep, yep, pack them in there tightly. Okay, I can see. Okay, we're going to give the countdown on the clock. It'll say three, it'll say two, it'll say one, and then a horn will blast. So when it says one, you don't start, Mark, you don't start until the horn blasts, okay? Three, two, one, and then a horn blast, and then you go. Are you guys ready to see them play? All right. I gotta ask you before we start, how many of you think Mark is gonna pull this off? Oh, you've got some fans. How many of you think Teresa is gonna take him down? All right. Well, Diego, let's put the clock on the on the wall. Here we go. A good start. Mark is off to the uh 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 uh, uh, uh. Ooh, Holding my breath on that one. He almost dropped one, Teresa. Oh, she almost dropped one, Mark. She almost dropped one. We're going well. One cup at a time. Only one cup at a time. Oh, pick it up. Keep it up. Keep going. Don't lose heart. How many of you think Mark's still gonna win? How many of you think Teresa's still gonna win? Oh you have a fan base behind you, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Teresa getting close. Oh, Mark's getting close, too. This is going to be a tight one. This is going to be tight. This is going to be tight. The pressure is on. The tension is mounting. Who's it going to be? Is it going to be Teresa? It's going to be Teresa. Teresa, you just won a minute to win it. Yes, you you had yours under first. So, Teresa, you get the cash prize of $2, and Mark, you get the consolation prize of $1. Thank you for playing A Minute to Win It. Woo! Good job. Now, Colin, you can do with the lights whatever you need to do. <laughs> really, each one of us is playing A Minute To win it. Did you know that? Each one of us is actually a contestant on this game show, a minute to win it. Let's look at Scripture. Scripture says, Now is the day of salvation. You see, none of us knows how much time that we have left. And so let's go to Scripture. That is why the Lord says, Turn to me now. Turn to me now while there is still time. Give me all. Of your hearts, not 99.9%, not 22%. Give me all of your hearts now. And I believe that God gives each one of us an opportunity to get right with Him. So, really, each one of us plays a minute to win it. This tonight is our minute. This is our moment, our opportunity to seize all that God has in store for us. Tonight, Monday night is our minute. Let's look at a few contestants who have played and who are currently playing a minute to win it with God. First of all, Miley Cyrus is playing this game with God, and currently she's losing. Uh, In 2015, she took her love of nudity just a little further. This former Disney star turned pop Marijuana evangelist performed in the buff for an audience who is also nude. I want to say, what happened, Miley? I mean, we understand that you couldn't stay Hannah Montana forever, but there's a difference in growing older and in rejecting truth and morality. And yes... Miley knows the truth. You see, her dad, Billy Ray Silas, was brought up in the church. His dad, Miley's grandpa, was a minister. Billy Ray turned away from God, but later he repented and has gone on record as saying, God sent his son to this earth to save people like me. Now, Miley attended a Southern Baptist church during her teen years when she lived at home in Franklin, Tennessee, She wore a purity ring and uh, professed that she wanted to save sex until marriage. She proclaimed the faith in in Jesus Christ and uh, was even baptized in her home church. But if you're tuned in at all to youth culture, you know that she has rejected morality and she has rejected Christianity. She's actually blasted Christian lawmakers saying this these people should not be making our laws. And recently, she's been blasting the Bible and Christianity. She was interviewed by Paper Magazine, in which she posed nude, and Miley implied that Noah's Ark is as likely to have existed as the tooth fairy. And she said, reading Bible stories like this are expletive, insane. We've outgrown that fairy tale. Now, back in her day, in her heyday as Hannah Montana... USA Today newspaper interviewed Miley. And one of the questions they asked her was, <clears throat> What book are you currently reading? And Miley responded, I'm reading a book called Girl Talk with God. I hung that little article on my office wall for the next few years because you see, I wrote that book. Miley was reading that book. And I want to say, Miley, what happened? I'd love to step inside her life if I could and say, Miley, the shoes that you tie this morning could very well be untied by an undertaker tonight. I mean, you've admitted to having anxiety attacks that were so severe that you used to avoid even driving a car. Miley, Jesus is the answer. He really is, and you may only have this minute This moment, this season of your life to get right with him. Right now is the time, Miley. We don't know how much time that we have. Again, none of us knows how much time we have left. I think of evil King Belshazzar. He was the son of King Nebuchadnezzar in the Old Testament. He invited 1,000 of his officers to a great feast The wine flowed freely, the debauchery had exploded. And to impress his guest, he took the silver and the gold goblets from the temple and brought them into his party, and they used those to toast each other and the idols that were in front of them. But in the midst of this frenzied euphoria, the laughter suddenly stopped when a supernatural occurrence interrupted their folly. You probably know the story it's found in Daniel chapter five: A hand materialized on the wall, the Sik of Scripture, and suddenly, as they were drinking from their cups, they saw the fingers of a man's hand writing on the plaster of the wall opposite the lampstand. The king himself saw the fingers as they wrote, <clears throat> his face blanched. That means it went white with fear. And such terror gripped him that his knees knocked together and his legs gave way beneath him. In other words, he's shaking and he just fell over because he's so traumatized and terrorized. God had sent this message straight from the heavenly throne. And when you've spent years rejecting God's message and then you get a message from his throne, it can be Frightening, and he was terrified. Let's keep reading. The king grew more and more hysterical. His face reflected the terror he felt, and his officers, too, were shaken. Well, what was the message? Well, Daniel, the prophet, was called to come in and read and interpret the writing. Let's look at scripture. Belshazzar. You have not praised the God who gives you the breath of life and controls your destiny. And so God sent those fingers to write this message. "Meanie, meanie, tekel, you farson. What does that mean? It means God has numbered your days. And he's taking the kingdom away from you. I'd love to just jump inside the story right here, if it were possible, and I'd love to scream, Belshazzar, this is your minute to win it. Don't put it off. Obey God right now. This is your moment. Don't put it off. But that very night, Belshazzar died. Again, none of us knows when our minute is up. None of us knows how much time we have. Let's jump inside of Mark 10. Verses 46 to 52, it's the story of blind Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus. He lived inside the city of Jericho. He was told that Jesus was passing by, and so he started shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Listen to what he did when Jesus called to him. Bartimaeus yanked off his old coat and flung it aside. He's taking off the old. He's reaching for the new. He jumped up and he came to Jesus. Bartimaeus realized this was his minute for a life-changing encounter. This was his minute to win it. And so he seized the moment. This was his minute to win it. He didn't procrastinate. No, he didn't put it off. He played minute to win it spiritually and he won. Guess what? You never lose when you respond immediately to Christ. But there can be consequences to putting him off. What if Bartimaeus hadn't responded right then? Well, Jesus never returned to Jericho. Bart was blind, but he wasn't stupid. He knew that when God calls, the wisest choice is to respond immediately and to respond in obedience. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14 say, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life or to heaven and only a few find it. I I would love to just stop the Bible right there and say, seriously, a few find it? Wait a minute, God. Do you really mean what you're saying here? Only a few really find that narrow road? Seriously? Well, Dr. Billy Graham says... That he believes 50% of everyone who goes to church worldwide are actually Christians. So, half of the people who come to church aren't Christians? Few ever find it. Wait a minute, does that mean half? Of the people then in our church who maybe think they're on the right road, the narrow road, are really on the wide road? Are you saying that maybe half of the people who think they're Christians really may not be and could end up in hell? Well, Jesus kind of backs that up. In Matthew chapter 25, at the first of the chapter, he tells the parable of 10 bridesmaids. You may know the story. He says, five bridesmaids were wise and they brought extra oil for their lamps and the other five were foolish. They didn't bring any extra oil. They all went to wait for the bridegroom. He took longer to come than they expected. But finally at the midnight hour, the cry went out, he's here. The bridegroom has come. Pick up your lamp and go meet the bridegroom. The five with the extra oil ran out to meet him. But the other five who didn't have extra oil said, hey, we need some of your oil so we can go meet him too. We need to shine our lamps so we can see the way. Give us Some of your oil. We can't, they said, because then there won't be enough oil for us. You're going to have to go out and buy some more oil. Well, they went out to buy more oil, and the parable states that when they arrived, the door was shut. And the bridegroom says, Depart. I didn't know you. Now, Jesus starts that parable off, and it is a parable, it's not a true story. He starts that parable off by saying, The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like these ten bridesmaids. Half of them were in it for real. The other half were going through the motions, were playing the game. Billy Graham says, I believe, that probably only 50% of all the people who go to church have really found that narrow road. You know, of the 1,830 verses in the New Testament that contain Jesus' teaching, 13% of those verses deal with the subject of eternal judgment and hell. And when we study those verses, we see that Jesus believes hell is an actual location. That it's a real place. It's a place of physical suffering. It's a place of irrevocable decision. Meaning, if I go to hell, I can't say, well, I don't like this. I'm going to change my mind now and follow Jesus. It's a place of irrevocable decision. Decision, I really believe that there is a heaven and that there is a hell. And I believe those who don't have a relationship with Jesus, they've never asked Jesus into their lives to forgive their sins, they're not walking with Him, then they won't get to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus taught that hell is a forever destination. Oh, Susie, do you really believe that hell exists? I do. Jesus actually spoke more about hell during his time on earth than he did about heaven. Well, yeah, but I don't know if I believe that hell's an actual place. Well, that's what Jesus taught. Yeah, but I kind of think I believe that hell is really whatever makes you most miserable. Well, for me, then, hell would be Brussels sprouts for all eternity. (laughs) It would also be doing... Mathematical story
1: problems.
0: (laughs) That would truly be hell for me because I am not good at numbers. Maybe it's a learning disability. I don't know, but I just can't do math. I mean, let's break it down. I believe that there are three types of people in the world. Three types of people in the world. Those who can do math and those who can't. And I can't. (laughs) I just don't get it. Bless my heart, I can't even balance my own checking account. And it's not because I overspend. I don't do that. I do under-deposit quite a bit, yeah. And my dad, bless his heart, he he always tried to help me with math when I was growing up and in grade school, and he would stay up with me late at night, helping me with all my math homework, and get me up early the next morning. No cartoons for Susie. She has to do more math. And because dad was helping me, I made great daily grades. So they just kept passing me. But when it came time to test, dad wasn't there, and I would fail. But because my daily average was so high, I always got passed in math. I'm trying to get back at my dad now, in a fun way. (laughs) He's 93, and he's trying to learn email. (laughs) Last weekend, he sent me 500 emails. They all said the same thing. Is this working? Did this come through yet? And I answered all 500, not yet. (laughs) So close. Hell for me would be doing story problems for all eternity. But you know what? That's not hell. And Jesus taught that the majority of humanity will occupy hell rather than heaven. Now, one of the most widely used arguments against Christianity being exclusive, John 14, 6, is the conclusion that only those who trust in Jesus Christ will be saved. Wait a minute, Susie. What do you mean Christianity being exclusive? I thought we're to be inclusive. We're to love everybody and everyone. Well, we are. God does command us that. You are to love everyone. That's how God loves. He loves everyone. He wants everyone to accept him uh, and to seek forgiveness for their sins so that he can grant them access into his perfect kingdom. And anyone who wants to can do that. It's free for the asking. You already know that. Mercy and grace and salvation are a free gift. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. But yet, He wants to give it to us, but we have to ask for it and accept it from Him. But we are exclusive in the sense that we believe, as Christians, based on Scripture, we believe that only those who follow Jesus Christ will make it to heaven. Why do we believe that? Well, because Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way. The way. I'm not one of many ways. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And then he said, no one gets to the Father. No one gets to Father God in heaven except how? Through me. Through Jesus Christ. So in that sense, Christianity is exclusive. Oh, we want to include everyone. We want to get everyone into church so that we can love them and pray for them and pray with them and lead them into a relationship with Jesus. But if we don't have a relationship with Jesus, we're not a Christian. And that's exclusive. And that bothers a lot of people. Non-believers say, well, that's that's stupid, that's narrow-minded, that's, that's, that that can't be true. That, but Jesus said it's true. In John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, out of the 7 billion people that we have on planet Earth, only 2 billion label themselves Christians. And that's mostly because of cultural factors rather than actual faith. And so this means that if you believe Scripture, John 14, 6, if you believe what Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to the Father except through me, if you really believe that, then what you're saying is about 75% of the earth's population is going to be condemned. Hmm. As disturbing as that conclusion is, guess what? It lines up perfectly with what Jesus taught about how small the population of heaven will be. Few, he said, will find that narrow road. And that's why 2 Corinthians 6 says, Now is the day of salvation. Now is the day of salvation. We have a slide for that. Now is the day of salvation. So, who's really playing minute to win it? Well, we all are. Each one of us is a contestant. Each one of us has to make a decision about what we'll do with Jesus. Well, Susie, I already decided what I'll do with Jesus. He's already in my life. Good, 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 good. I'm excited. Has He simply been added to your life? Or is he Lord and Savior? Is he saturating your life? Is he permeating every area of your life? Well, Pilate was another contestant on Minute to Win It. He lost the game. Let's do a replay of his game show. Pilate said, What then shall I do with Jesus, who's called the Messiah? Pilate asked. And they all answered, Crucify him! Ah, Pilate! Pilate, you had that one opportunity. Pilate, you were actually face-to-face with the Son of God. You actually saw the Messiah with skin on. You spoke directly to the King of Kings. This could have easily been your minute to win it spiritually. But you blew it, Pilate. You let the studio audience decide for you. Hey, when it comes to spiritual decisions... Don't seek your answer from the crowd. Society will never be right. Several others have played Minute to Win It and have lost. Maybe you're familiar with comedian and actress Kathy Griffin. But are you familiar with what she said in her 2007 Emmy Award acceptance speech? She said a lot of people come up here. They thank Jesus for this award. I want you to know no one had less to do with this award than Jesus. He didn't help me a bit. So all I can say is, In your face, Jesus, this award is my God now. She didn't say, In your face. She used an expletive, and I changed it to, In your face. But her words and her conduct betray a person who deep down knows the truth and resents it, confirming the words of Romans 1.21. Here we go. For although they knew God, They neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Governor Felix was another contestant on our game show. His episode is recorded in Acts chapter 24, verse 25. Paul is is on the scene and Felix sent for him to be brought into court he sent for Paul and he listened to him as he spoke about faith in Jesus Christ as Paul talked about righteousness and self-control and the judgment to come Felix was afraid and Felix said that's enough for now you may leave when I find it convenient I will send for you oh Governor Felix lost he had his minute to win it and he lost. Satan's greatest strategy is wait a while. Just wait a while. It's okay to believe the Bible. It's okay for you to believe the gospel. It's okay for you to believe about heaven and hell and that Jesus is really the only way to get to heaven, but just wait a bit. Why don't you? You don't need to make a decision tonight on a Monday night. Just go home, process it, think it through, wait another day. None of us knows how much time we have in our minute-to-win-it spiritually. King Agrippa is probably the contestant who uttered the the saddest words ever spoken on a minute-to-win-it game show. His story is told in Acts 25. Now... Paul has appealed to Caesar, but before he goes to Caesar, King Agrippa wants to hear what Paul has to say. Luke recorded the scene in in Acts 25, and it's an event that is filled with pomp and circumstance. I mean, Agrippa is in his royal robes, and the people have come out and filled the arena, and they are all dressed to to the ten. I mean, they are dressed in their very best, and guards are standing at attention. It's formal, again. pomp and circumstance and then in shuffles this short balding guy his feet are shackled and he's chained between two guards and ooze is coming out of his eyes and though the Apostle Paul wasn't much to look at physically He's empowered by the Holy Spirit. He has a supernatural boldness and confidence from the Holy Spirit in him. Now we we need to remember that Agrippa was a member of the Herod family and it is the worst family mentioned in the Bible. Ahab and Jezebel were like, vacation Bible school kids, compared to the Herod family. Paul's plea to King Agrippa uh, about Christ is magnificent. It's logical, and it's intelligent. Agrippa is an intelligent man, and so he knows the Mosaic law, and he understands the Jewish background. And Paul is happy to speak to somebody who really understands the nature of his case. And Paul is filled with passion. As he speaks, again with boldness, there are hundreds present, but Paul is focused on one person, an audience of one, and it's King Agrippa. Paul has prayed about this. And then in Acts 25, verses 7 and 8, Paul says, Oh, Agrippa! agrippa you who know the stories of the bible see agrippa knew oh agrippa you who are aware of our history why should it seem like an amazing thing that god could raise the dead yes paul is referring to the resurrection of jesus christ and agrippa has refused to believe it yet he knows the history he knows the bible he knows the scripture so why would that be a hard thing for you to believe king agrippa I mean, if God can do anything, and if he created mankind, why would it be hard for you to believe that he can raise Jesus from the dead? Well, Paul goes on, and he shares his story of conversion with King Agrippa. Did you know that we all have a story? We all have a story, and we all respond to story. Your story is still being written. No matter how young or how old you are, your story is still a work in progress. And you have the opportunity to give God the pen or God the keypad and let him shape your story into spiritual victory. Paul talks about how he persecuted Christians. How he was blinded on the road to Damascus and how God spoke to him. How God healed his blind eyes. How Paul repented and he answered God's call to share this gospel of Christ with everyone with whom he came in contact. Agrippa listens Closely, In fact, he is mesmerized by Paul's words. Paul spoke about repentance, and that is not a popular message. Why? Why? Well, because it says that people who think they've got it together don't. It says that people who think they're okay aren't. It says that people who think they can make it to heaven on their own won't. Agrippa listens closely and with his knowledge of scripture, I'm sure Paul prayed through and I'm sure that he believed this is his night. King Agrippa is going to give his heart to the Lord. He's going to be converted. Then we come to what I think is the saddest verse in all of scripture. Let's look at it. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, almost thou hast persuaded me to be a Christian, oh Agrippa, get a grip! Oh. Oh, this is your moment. This is your minute to win it spiritually, and you're blowing it. Agrippa was deeply touched by what he was hearing. It was ringing in his head and it was sounding in his heart. But he bailed out, almost persuaded. The two most horrifying words in our spiritual vocabulary, almost persuaded. But almost won't get us into eternal life with Jesus Christ. Again, Satan's strategy is just to convince you to wait. You don't need to make any decisions right now. Satan says, sleep on it. Sleep on it. Agrippa followed that advice and he is in hell. And it's the same with Belshazzar and Kathy Griffin and Miley Cyrus and you and me will also spend eternity separated from God if we don't let Jesus forgive our sins. Colin and Diego, I'm going to ask you to back up just a little bit. A few years ago, you remember Oprah Winfrey was still on television with her daily talk show. And I I remember an episode I saw. There was an an author. I didn't recognize the author, but they were talking about God, and it was like a general God. Not God the Father of Jesus Christ, but more of a, a nature general God. And they were talking about the many paths to get to heaven. And a lady in the audience spoke out, and she said, Well, that sounds good, but... I don't believe there's just one path to heaven. And then another lady, the camera hasn't even found her yet. So you hear her voice, but you're not seeing her. She's way over here in the audience and she's saying, The Bible says, Oprah, Jesus is the only way. And Oprah's going, What? What about Jesus? And finally the camera finds this lady. She's saying, Yeah, Jesus really is the only way. And hey, uh, Oprah is, is, she, is she shocked. What? Well, that, that has to be impossible. There can't be just one way to heaven. That little that little show had such a deep impact on me that I brought the clip because I wanted to share it with you tonight.
1: One of the mistakes that
0: human beings make is believing that there is only one way to live That's and right. that we don't accept that there are diverse ways of being in the world, that there are millions of ways to be a then human being and, and many ways, no, but many paths to what you call God. That and her path amazing. might be something else and when she gets there she might call it the light. But her loving and her kindness and her generosity brings her, if it brings her to the same point that it brings you, it doesn't matter whether she called it God along the way or not. And
2: I guess the danger that could be in that, I mean, it, it sounds great on the onset, but if you really look at both sides, there I could be... There could possibly
0: be just one way. What, what about Jesus? What about Jesus? You say there isn't only one way. One way and only one way, and that, that is through Jesus. Jesus. There couldn't possibly be the you the there As hard as it seems to believe, there really is only one way to heaven. Let's look at what Jesus Himself said when he was rejected at Nazareth. He said, There is a judge. For the one who rejects me and does not accept my words, the very words I have spoken will condemn them at the last day. And now it's time for our final contestant, you. If you're not a Christian, you have a choice. Decide to place your faith in Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about simply adding him to your life. I'm talking about placing your faith in him giving him your life. Repent of your sins and yield to his authority. This is your minute to win it. But I'm also appealing to you on another level tonight, because many of you here have already done that. You've already asked Christ to forgive your sins, and he has. And you have a relationship with him, and you're walking with him. But I want to I want to ask you tonight, if you've never been sanctified holy, through the power of the Holy Spirit, this is your minute to win it. Again, Satan will say, sleep on it. Think it through. Put it off a few more days. But tonight could be your night to die to yourself. I'm already a Christian. But if I really, if I really get honest, I, I guess I'm still calling the shots in my own life. I mean, if, I, if there's a chair and the circle is my life, who's sitting on the chair, me or God? I guess me. I'm still on the throne of my life. It's called King Will. Tonight, God is saying, dethrone King or Queen Will because I want to be in charge of your life. I'm calling you to radical obedience to my lordship. Yes, Many of you have been forgiven from the penalty of sin. Have you been forgiven or released from the power of sin? This is your spiritual moment right here, right now. Are you living in total obedience to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Whether you're a Christian or whether you're not, would you just let God have his way in your life tonight? Everyone here tonight has to answer the same question that Pilate asked. What will you do with Jesus? Will you accept him as your Savior? Yes. I would like for him to forgive my sins. I would like for him to come into my life and give me purpose and meaning. Good. If you've already done that, would you allow him to permeate to be absolute Lord Of your life to live in radical obedience to his power to his lordship this is your minute and right now you can play to win well Susie how what do I do with this I mean how do I how do I even come how do I even make that happen how about how about this how about if we come just as we are no pretenses No status, no position, no title, no, hey, this is this is me. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a walk down. No, 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 no. Just how about if we just come humbly as we are and say, Jesus, here I am, I'm broken, but I'm coming to be mended. Jesus, here I am, I'm wounded, but I sure want to be healed. Jesus, here I am. I've never asked you to forgive my sins before. I mean, I know a lot about you, and I've, I've come to church, and I love being here and with the people. I love the feel. I get, but you're not really a part of my life. Or, yes, I've asked Jesus into my life, but I'm still sitting on the throne, king or queen will. Tonight, I want to die to that will. I want you on the throne of my life. This is your minute to win it spiritually. Would you stand, please? And tonight, would you come just as you are? Nothing less, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else than just as you are. I'm going to come down front and stand right uh, in front of this uh, stage because there may be some of you that are coming to pray for something specific. I don't know. It might be um, a healing that you need. It might be specific direction or guidance. And if you need me to pray for you, I will. Pastor Buddy and the other staff members are also always willing and ready to pray for you. But right now, let's come just as you are. If you want me to pray for you or you want somebody else to pray for you, please raise your hand so I'll know or else I'll just leave you to a private prayer time.
1: Just as I am
3: without
1: you uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh.
3: To be pardoned by the blood of Christ the Lamb, and I am welcome with open arms. Praise God, just that.
2: tonight for your presence here we're grateful for the message and your word father we are grateful for those who have come and knelt at this altar tonight and father some have come to surrender uh, lord their life to you and lordship and maybe others have come lord to receive you as lord and savior and for and, and father to confess their sins and so I pray tonight lord that God your holy spirit will just confirm in the heart of each one who knelt here tonight that you have heard their prayer, God. And, and by faith, Lord, may they receive all that you have for them tonight. And Father, we'll give you all the praise and all the honor and all the glory. Now, with all of our heads bowed again just for a moment, and I'm not trying to prolong anything here, but I just feel like tonight that the Spirit of the Lord is here, and I think there are others here tonight that maybe you realize tonight that this this is your minute to win it. And for some reason, you just didn't have the whatever to come up front tonight, but you know that you just know tonight that you want to know Jesus, and you want your sins forgiven, and I don't believe there's a person in here tonight that would want to walk out of here totally rejecting you, and I believe that Susie preached a message tonight that God gave her to preach, and so with all of our heads bowed and all of our eyes closed just for a moment and no one looking around, could we just honor the Lord for a moment? And if that's you tonight, and you say, well, I just I couldn't go up front. Man, I remember the night I couldn't go up front. And I held on and held on. And I regretted that, that I didn't go up front. And I just want to give you the opportunity tonight, if that's you, to pray this simple prayer with me right there where you're standing. You know, an altar is a great place to publicly confess that Jesus Christ has saved you and come and pray, but you know what? You can do it right there, right in your seat. So if you'll just pray this simple prayer with me tonight, I'm gonna pray it and then you pray it. Now, you don't have to pray it out loud, you can, but you don't have to, but I want you to pray it in your heart and pray it by faith with all of your heart and really mean it, and here's that prayer. Jesus, just pray this with me. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe that you died on a cross for the forgiveness of my sins. Jesus, I believe you died on a cross for the forgiveness of my sins. And Jesus, tonight, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Now, the Bible tells us we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. All of us, every one of us are in the same stinking sinking boat without Jesus. We've all sinned. Now, would you just ask Jesus to forgive you? Just say, Jesus, Will you forgive me of my sins? The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us all of our sins, every last one of them. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Now, would you just invite Jesus Christ into your heart right now to be your Savior? Jesus, I invite you into my heart right now to be my Savior. Bible says we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead the Bible says we shall be saved Now I want you to thank Jesus Jesus thank you Wow thank you for forgiving me of my sins Thank you Jesus for being my savior Now with all of our heads bowed and all of our eyes closed and no one looking around and I hope that if you're online worshiping tonight, if you needed to pray that prayer, you prayed right along with us and maybe you can tell the pastor online tonight that you confessed your sins. You can do that in the chat room. But if you're here tonight and you prayed that prayer and you asked Christ to forgive you of your sins and you invite him into your life to be your savior, with all of our heads bowed and all of our eyes closed, would you just raise your hand? Anybody like that tonight? Yes, I see your hand. Yes. I see your hands. Anyone else? Oh, yeah, over here. I'm sorry. I see your hands. And in the back. Anyone else? Say, yes, I prayed that prayer, and I received Jesus tonight. Hand up and put it right back down. Yes, I see your hand up front here. Anyone else? Father, we thank you tonight for your presence here. We thank you tonight, Lord, that many have responded And I just pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that right now, God, you would wrap your loving arms around each one that have have taken the opportunity tonight to receive you, to invite you into their life, to forgive them of their sins, Lord, and for those who have made you Lord. Father, I just pray that this night will be the night of a new beginning for many here in this room and online, Lord, that have confessed and believed and received you tonight, Lord. And I pray, God, that you would just continue to bless us throughout this week. I pray that you would just open the floodgates of heaven and pour out on us, Father, all that you have for us this this week, Lord. Bless Susie. Give her rest. Thank you for all those who have given themselves tonight to give us food. And we just love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.